at first we thought, oh, if there's no ringing going on, what are we going to write about? But in actual fact, we've had bumper editions all the way through, and that reflects the fact that there is a lot going on in all sorts of different ways. And there's lots of new opportunities for ringers to stay involved and active, interested and to continue learning. Hello, I'm Cathy Booth. In this bumper episode, I'm going to be talking to six people who create and edit content for bell ringers about the material they produce and how COVID has affected that and their own ringing. First, the editor of the most famous magazine, then a blogger, then two YouTubers, and finally a newsletter editor, and then the host of my sister podcast in North America. Note that I recorded most of these interviews before the announcement of the second lockdown in the UK. Let's get going. My first question was to Will Bosworth, asking him what sort of things are published in the ringing world. We have a lot of different types of articles. I mean, some of the headline ones are activity, what ringers have been up to. Many people know the ringing world because we print records of ringing, so records of particularly appeals and court appeals, but also just much more generally reports of, of what ringers have been up to and how they all stay together. Ringing is such a remarkably social hobby, and I think people are interested to, to hear what we've all been up to. But then more technically, we have uh, a lot of articles on history, the theory of ringing. We try to have as much educational material as possible. We print some of our pages every week are in colour, including our front cover. And since lockdown, we've tried to have every single week with a full page front cover photo. So I really want to make the ringing world nice and bright and colourful. And again, I think that's something that readers like. I think what types of things are published in it? Of course, one of the big questions about the ringing world uh, and having a weekly magazine about bell ringing is whether it's necessary at all these days and due to social media and the internet of course ringers can keep in touch without needing a printed page they can hear about news and they can stay in touch with each other so i think that changes what the ringing world is there for in a way we're not so much there to break the news and just keep contact with each other anymore we're there to do something a little bit more in depth maybe tell people the story behind the news or or give a bit more of a more considered opinion than you might see on social media about things. Yeah, social media is lots of little excerpts of things, whereas you can obviously go into a lot more depth. Yeah, I took over as editor last November. And so just a few months into my editorship, the story in the newspaper was about ringing for Brexit some of your listeners may remember that there was quite a lot of turmoil over whether ringers should ring for Brexit. And indeed, some people were suggesting that we should ring in support of Brexit. Some people were suggesting that we should ring against Brexit. And some people felt that it was completely inappropriate to ring in relation to anything political. One of the interesting things about those debates was that they happened on social media and in pubs and behind closed doors. And actually, the records of those debates, which I think will be very interesting to look back on in decades to come, can be lost. So I think we do, at The Ringing World, I think we do have a sort of a duty there to record things so that people can see what's really going on in ringers' minds. And lockdown, I'm sure, will be very interesting for that in a few years. We'll probably look back and marvel at how we dealt with it and what we were thinking. So how long has it been going? We started it in 1911, believe it or not. So we're coming up to 110 years and it's been published every Friday since that first Friday in March 1911. We've never missed an issue except that at Christmas time we print a double issue and then we have a week off uh, during the second one of those weeks. But throughout both of the world wars and indeed in the current situation, we haven't missed an issue since 1911. Wow. And I know you you must have heard our episode where we did lots of excerpts from The Ringing World for for the ban on World War II ringing. 
Indeed. Yeah. And there have been lots of parallels drawn and in my own head with those kind of times. I think we really are for ringers. What's going on at the moment could well be just as serious in a way as that the war ban on ringing went on for a lot longer. The thing today, which is interesting, is that there's quite a feeling amongst ringers that ringing was at a little bit of a tipping point anyway around the present. And therefore that COVID could be more than simply a pause from ringing for several months and then a resumption. It it could well be a lot more critical than that. And where do you see the role of the ringing world in, in that scenario? One of the things that we found when we carried on publishing right at the beginning of lockdown was how many people got in touch with us to say just how much it meant to them, actually, having the ringing world still coming through their letterbox every Friday. And that was really meaningful. So I think that shows that there it has quite a sort of central place in keeping ringers together. So I hope that we can keep that through all this. I mean, a much more easy answer to your question would be that we'll hope to have material to help bring us back out of lockdown when that happens. We've already run some articles in the last few months about how you can carry on recruiting and retaining ringers during lockdown. We'd like to have some more educational articles. One of the things that people have done a lot more in lockdown is ring handbells, ring methods on handbells. So we've had some articles on how to do that and simple education for that kind of thing. And I'd like to do more on that. One thing I wanted to ask you about was what articles in the ringing world, recent ones, would particularly appeal to newer ringers? Again, going back to the current situation, we've tried to have quite a few introductory articles to all the various things that have sprung into being during lockdown. So platforms like Ringing Room, Handbell Stadium, Ding, some of the other virtual ringing opportunities. We've tried to introduce people to those and give people good guides to them. We have columnists that I hope talk about things that new ringers will be experiencing. We try to have education, as I say, as much as possible. And indeed, at the moment, we're near the end of of a series uh, of educational articles called The Education Column. And this series has been quite a sort of a whistle-stop tour to early methods and how you might proceed through those first years of ringing, particularly how you might work together between a tower captain and a ringer in thinking about those early years. But I also hope that new ringers find all sorts of other articles interesting as well. I don't think we necessarily need, you know, articles that say this is for new ringers. There's certainly a lot of jargon in ringing and you can't always get rid of it all. But I try to explain things where I can and where it's appropriate. And I don't think that someone's just because someone's a new ringer, they can't find an article interesting about someone they don't know or a method they can't ring. I think the the fact that the ringing world has continued through everything, through thick and thin, just shows that people spend their life kind of being passionate about it. So I hope that new ringers can catch a little bit of that from the page. And what would somebody do if they wanted to subscribe, if they wanted to get a back issue, if they wanted to get just a single issue to try it out, and if they wanted to subscribe to it going forward? Where do they do that? We have two websites. We have a main Ringing World website, which is www.ringingworld.co.uk. Or if you Google Bellboard, that's another site that's often slightly more up to date. Or if you're having trouble, just drop us an email, perhaps email subscribe at ringingworld.co.uk or or perhaps admin at ringingworld.co.uk and that'll get you through to our lovely office administrator Jackie who can help you out with a back issue or with a current issue or if you're having trouble subscribing. Note that all the links mentioned in this episode will be featured on the show notes on funwithbells.com. Is there anything else that you wanted to say? I'd say stay in touch with us with the ringing world don't be afraid of dropping us a quick email just giving us your thoughts do give it a go we have short subscriptions you can buy single issues even if you just want to see what it's about i think the main thing i'd want to say to listeners is is a big thank you these sort of recent months that have been really difficult have been very much lifted by being in touch with so many 
positive people who, who've put so much effort and thought into somehow keeping ringing alive during this period when we're not actually doing it. And that's that's remarkable. This is a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Association of Ringing Teachers, ART. You can find out more at bellringing.org, where there are resources to support your ringing, to find out how to learn to ring or to learn to teach. Now back to the episode. That was Will Bodsworth, editor of The Ringing World. My next guest is another of those positive people. The accidental ringer is Mary Jones's blog, Mary, why did you call it that? I think it was because I am an accidental ringer. I I fell into ringing by accident. The only reason I ever got my hands on a Sally was that I was following up some heritage research I was doing about my family. And I thought there was a peel board at St. Peter Mancroft with the name of my great-grandfather on it. So I didn't know how to get into the ringing room. So when I saw an advert for a taster session for the Ring Remembers recruits, I volunteered to go along and have a taster session just to get into the room. Of course, later I realised I could have just sent an email to the tower captain and they would have shown me round. So having got there, it was somebody just was so encouraging and interesting that I had a try. And then I think that was on a Saturday. And then they said, well, what are you doing on Wednesday morning? And that was it. I was basically reeled in as a ringer. So why is it that you blog about this? Well, that was an accident too. I had never done anything on social media. The only reason I joined Facebook was because when I started to ring, that was how the tower kept in touch. And I just put up a few things on the Tower Facebook page, basically writing about the experience the night before or something. And somebody reposted it on learning the ropes. And then somebody put, oh, are you a writer too? And I thought, oh, well, that's an interesting thought because I'm not a writer. So I thought I'd have a try. So I started a blog, which at first was the most inexpert blog imaginable. But, you know, I've got better at it. So I've been posting since September 2018. Yes, and you have some lovely stories and anecdotes and commentaries, a lot of them about ringing. Most of it's about ringing. It's not all about ringing because I do have followers who I know are not ringers. I mean, apart from my own family and friends, I put something in for them. But also some people have just stumbled across it and read it regularly. So I try and put things in about life, though often it comes back to bells and there'll be an analogy with bell ringing or some sort of link or something will have happened when I've been ringing that makes me then think of something else and then I follow that thread through. But I would say 90% of it is in some way related to ringing. Mm -hmm. And have you blogged every day since then? I think I missed about 10. I looked at it yesterday. It was 740, I think I've done, 740 posts. Wow. Since September, two years ago, which is about half a million words. And how do you think of something so regularly? How how do you come up with all your ideas? Things happen. It's been harder in the last six months because obviously things don't happen. A lot of the material would be talking about experiences that I've had or conversations, you know, in the pub after ringing or it would be something that was worrying me because I couldn't get a handle on it and I was just a bit like therapy working through what my feelings were. And then I realized that I'm a teacher by by trade and I thought, well, there are a lot of art teachers out there teaching ringing who aren't trained as teachers as such and that maybe I had some insights that might be helpful. So when something came up and someone was trying to teach me something and it wasn't getting through, I would post things about, you know, ways of explaining or or ways of strategies for helping learners. So that developed into a thread again. But at the moment, it'll be something on the radio I hear, or I'll read something in the newspaper, or something will happen. I'm doing a lot of stuff with handbells, so quite a lot of my posts at the moment are about handbell ringing or ringing in the virtual world, the sort of etiquette of what happens when you go into a ringing room and the things that can go wrong and the funny stories of 
when you make a complete nut of fool of yourself because people identify with that sort of material, I think. And is, is ringing room and handbell ringing something you've only just taken up with the COVID situation? Well, obviously, ringing room didn't exist. So I think I started more or less at the beginning of April or something, just sort of hanging around the fringes of ringing room and seeing what it was like. And then I got quite involved with it. But the handbell ringing, I've never done in my life. I've never touched a handbell until it must be in the end of June when restrictions were lifted and you could go in people's back gardens. And that's the first time I've ever had anything to do with handbells. So I learnt to do it on Able during the spring and then from the end of June. So last three months, I've been ringing regularly with uh, a teacher. Well, they're both art teachers, actually, but one is new to handbell ringing. So we formed a little group called the Clanging Bells and we practice in real life as well as electronically. And then I've got a group going at my tower now. So I'm teaching a group. And how would you, I'm putting you on the spot here, how would you compare the different types of ringing, the handbell ringing, the virtual ringing, the tower bell ringing? Well, I'm a much better handbell ringer than a tower ringer. I kind of took to it and found it easier. It's much more mentally challenging, I think, because you have to look at it from a different way. There's more going on. I've always found tower bells hard to handle, just the physicality of handling them. I've always been actually quite scared of them. So the release of not having to worry about the, the physics of the bell has been very positive for me. So I can really enjoy getting into methods and doing things on handbells that I could never do in the tower, or not for many years, I don't think I'll be able to do in the tower. And then the ringing room is something else totally, because I am a blatant cheat in the ringing room. I will have a line by my side of whatever the method is, and I can ring things that I probably will never be able to ring in reality. So I've learned to count, and I count fiercely and continuously. So last night we were ringing Yorkshire superlative. I mean, just things that I've never even trebled to, but I can ring them inside. So it's been a real eye-opener because it means I've got really interested in the way that methods work and composition and calling because released from the tyranny of having to handle a bell, I can do so much more. And I do think a lot of the good tower ringers find the ringing room much more difficult than I do because they have all sorts of strategies like rope sight that they bring to the ringing room and then they find that they don't work and they get themselves into a muddle because they're so used to relying on certain things that just aren't there. Whereas because I started from scratch, really not knowing how to do it, having never rung a method inside, I developed my own strategy that works for me. That doesn't mean it would work for everybody, but it does work for me. So suddenly there's a much more level playing field. You've mentioned that you were quite scared of tabels. How do you feel about going back to them afterwards? Well, we have started ringing at my local tower just three socially distanced bells for Sundays for 15 minutes. For the first couple of times, we chimed because we're all ringing Remembers Recruits. So we had nobody, no teachers or anyone particularly experienced. And we just didn't feel very safe. And then I think the regulations, there were suggestions that you could actually have someone stand with you the day before and ring up if that was what was required. So my teacher came down and, and stood while I rung up the bell. And I mean, I felt quite sick with nerves. But having done it once and realized that the Sally is still in front of your nose like you expect it to be, and your arms still go all the way up. It's okay now. But it did take me, I suppose it was probably about six weeks before we plucked up the courage to ring the bells full circle. But now, now we feel fine about it. Getting back to your blog, if someone hasn't read your blog before, where should they start? 
it depends whether they're a ringer or not. I put it in categories because when I started, it was all on one page and you just had to scroll, scroll, scroll until you find what you wanted. And people complained. So there's a category for learners called mainly for learners. So anyone who is a learner and is, is maybe struggling a bit and wants to be reassured they're not the only one, that's a good place to go. If you're a teacher, that's a good place to go because if you want some honest feedback about what it feels like to be a learner, particularly an older learner, somebody who's used to being on the other side of the learning teaching arrangement, it's quite hard to then become a learner if you are a teacher yourself. So I think it's useful for teachers. There's a section just for teachers suggesting strategies about how people learn. There's a handbell ringing section, so anyone interested in handbells. There's one called Fun Stuff, which is just silly stuff for people that want to laugh. There's a section on the organisational aspects of ringing, because I I became aware that quite a few people with influence in the ringing world actually read it. So I put things on there that I would kind of like people to think about and debate. I have the eyes of an outsider still, because although... I'm quite involved. I've only been around for two years. So sometimes I think I see things maybe in a different way of what it looks like from the perspective of somebody at the bottom of the food chain, as it were, which I hope is useful for people to read and think, oh, is that how learners are feeling? Is that what it feels like for novices as to the extent that they feel included or excluded or what their aspirations are when it comes to ringing so yeah there's different bits so I mean you could just go and have a poke around I have some readers I've got a co-op of mountain climbers in America that read it all the time and they seem to read stuff they send me notes about stuff which is all about bell ringing (laughs) and none of them are bell ringers at all so it, it just depends what grabs your interest is there anything else that you'd like to say to the listeners of this episode I think one thing I would say was when I started ringing, it's opened up a whole new path. I spend longer writing about ringing and thinking about it than I actually do ringing. So although I have a local tower and I have another tower where where I'm taught, a lot of what I do is, is the writing and it gives me enormous pleasure. So in a way, if I hadn't found ringing, I would never have found a passion for writing. So I'm very grateful to ringing because that's opened up something to me that obviously must have been dormant all those years that I never really explored. So I I found that really exciting. Well, I think a lot of people will appreciate what you've written. Well, I do find, you know, if if I write something and one person, a lot of of people don't post comments, but they write to me personally. They send me an email. If somebody writes back and say, thank you, that's, I was thinking of stopping and I read your article and I laughed so much and I thought, that's okay. Other people feel like that as well and I'm not going to stop. I'm going to just keep going. But it was worth writing it. Absolutely. Because it means that people stay as ringers and, and push through those walls that are there. And sometimes we're all a bit embarrassed to say to our teachers, look, I really don't get it. I'm feeling out of my depth. And and I think maybe people stop going when they feel like that, if they haven't got a relationship with with the people that are teaching them, that that they can confidently say, no, I'm struggling here. So they just don't bother to come anymore. So hopefully when they read it and they, they kind of think, yeah, we all feel like that sometimes. Even the teachers feel like that sometimes. You know, I don't want to go on doing this because it's too hard to teach. So, yes, I do. I mean, you know, I, I I enjoy doing it, but I also hope that other people feel encouraged and supported when they read it. That was Mary Jones of the Accidental Ringer blog. And now from someone focusing on writing about ringing to someone recording it. Simon Edwards is a YouTuber. YouTube is an online video sharing service on the Internet. And Simon has a YouTube channel called Simon Bellringer. The channel has 650 videos and 750 subscribers. And so, Simon, could you please explain what a YouTube channel is? So, as a YouTuber, 
I am a user on the site and every user automatically has their own channel. So that's their own homepage, if you like, where you can save videos. And then when you upload videos, they appear on your channel. So like the BBC programs appear on the BBC's channel, it's that sort of setup. So what are your YouTube videos about? With the exception of one or two ad hoc things, my videos are exclusively of bells and bell ringing from across the country. So I've just had a look. I uploaded my first video, which was Bishop's Cannings in Wiltshire, on the 23rd of August 2010. So I've been going for over a decade now. And why do you do that? When I started, I wouldn't claim to be the first bell ringing YouTuber. There were a few who came before me and a couple who are still uploading semi-regularly. But I saw these videos of ringing on YouTube and I thought that's quite a nice thing to do. It's a way to showcase ringing to a wider audience, to show off different towers from across the country and to make friends and contacts across the internet as well. But I realised early on there was no videos of Swindon, which is where I'm from, either the famous Ten Bells of Christchurch or my own tower at St Mark or any other towers nearby to where I was. So I thought there's a gap in the market there. And I just started filming a few things that I quite liked filming. I've always liked my photography, although I've never taken it seriously like others have. But the two do go hand in hand. And I just started filming a few towers and uploading them to YouTube. And it went from there. And how often is it that you upload them? So pre-COVID, I'd try and upload something maybe every week. And there were times where I was uploading two or three things a week at quite an alarming rate. But hence, I've got quite an array of footage. You mentioned COVID. Has COVID affected your ringing? Well, ringing's pretty much been non-existent for me in general. We've started a few handbells in the Swindon vicinity and we're ringing on a Sunday morning at St Mark, which is my tower. But that's pretty much it. So there's no ringing to be filmed at the moment. I did consider doing a bit of filming about COVID ringing during the pandemic. But to be honest, I didn't think it would add anything just ringing on five bells, which we could do even without COVID in any case. It has given me the opportunity to do is trawl through my computer and dig out a lot of old footage from down the years. I've put up footage from as far back as 2013, which has just been sitting there, and I've never got round to using. So I still have some material. I'm starting to run out now, but there's enough to keep me going probably till the end of the year at least. How do you go about filming and editing your videos? I've got a little point and shoot. It's a Nikon Coolpix, and I'm a very great fan of Nikons. I think their, the quality of picture and sound is excellent. but it does depend what I'm filming, whether I'm on an outing or if I'm ringing a quarter peel, for instance. If I'm on an outing and obviously with everybody's permission, I'll stand there, hold the camera or get someone to hold the camera for me while I ring and pan round the room, pan round the ringers, the rope, the ceiling, the church, if it's a ground floor, just to get a real feel and ambience for the place. Because there's a lot of people either who won't have rung there or any members of the public who won't have been inside a tower won't know what's going on and want to see everything. And if I'm ringing a quarter peel, then I'll set the camera in a convenient place on a shelf or something to get as many of the ropes and ringers in view as possible. And my camera's set up so it can film about 25 minutes worth before it switches itself off. When I get home, I put the footage on my computer and I use software called Windows Movie Maker. And it's a little bit outdated these days, but I like it. It's simple. It's easy to use. And I didn't have any real tuition apart from five or 10 minutes worth of playing. And that's what I've been using to edit my videos for the past seven or eight years, I suppose. And how long does it take you to edit them? I can usually edit something from putting the footage through Movie Maker, adding the photos to saving and completing in about half an hour. Some take me longer, particularly when I've got outings or tour videos, which are multiple bits of footage from multiple towers throughout a day, which I mash up into one video. Uh, that can take me a bit longer, but it's a labour of love. It's not a race against time, and I can be quite fussy about what I do and don't include. When I mentioned all these videos of different bell towers to my husband, he was thinking that Dove should have a link to each of them. What do you think of that idea? Certainly. I'd be very happy if that idea was to be taken forward and I'd be very happy to be one of the people involved with, if not the website, the web build design, etc. itself, but actually going and researching the footage. But it is something I have mooted in the past. It just didn't happen. 
Yeah, because it seems a shame you've got this index of all the different bell towers and then you've got your clips and they're not linked. Yeah, I mean, it will be a labour of love. There's a lot of work involved in actually keeping up together. And when you've got multiple videos of one tower, how do you decide which one to use, which one not to use, what constitutes the best video of the tower? I think it could be managed. And I think if it was ever done, it would be a fantastic resource. I think, but my gut feeling is that there's about half the towers in the country have a video attached to them, be that on their own or as part of a wider ringing mashup. And that's the other thing. Some towers only appear as part of videos of multiple towers, which can get a bit messy. What are you looking forward to after lockdown, ringing-wise and YouTube-wise? Getting back to ringing, obviously. I have missed it. I've enjoyed the break, to be honest, while it's lasted, but I am missing it very much now. I've certainly missed the social side more than the ringing, if anything. But I'm looking forward to getting back to my peels and my quarter peels, because I do quite a lot on both fronts. But also getting back to ringing with and um, training young ringers up and seeing them come on and develop. And with any luck, overtake me. And some of them already have, I'm pleased to say. And I'm going to talk to you at some point in the future about your work with young ringers. Is there anything else that you wanted to say, Simon? So if you're not familiar with YouTube, go and have a look. Bell ringing returns about 36,500 results and change ringing is throwing up about 2,500 results. There's plenty of stuff out there that if your tower isn't on there, then why not make a video? Um, I've put an instructional video on my channel, Simon Bell Ringer. I filmed that at the end of April in time for a Ringing World article at the time. There's lots of footage. I've made some very good friends through the site as well and i highly recommend it it's great for promotional it's great for keeping your ringers young and otherwise involved and in my personal opinion it is the best social media platform for promoting ringing with young ringers it's probably the most accessible and probably the one most people are familiar with that was simon edwards jake reed is one of those young ringers who also has a youtube channel jake You're a student, aren't you? Yes, I study film production at Canterbury Christchurch in Kent. It it plays into my likes quite a lot because I really do love making videos and creating things. And you're also a bell ringer? Yes, I've been ringing since November 22nd, 2012. So literally seven years and 11 months in a couple of days time. So a very long time. So now I want to get on to your YouTube channel. What sort of things do you publish on that? Mostly bell ringing from towers I've visited. There are a few other videos on there of random things that I've done, like the occasional video of uh, like a Minecraft thing or maybe a, a film I've made. But all, mostly it's all, all about bell ringing because um, the name is Ringer Jake. Uh, that was a, a name I adopted in early 2013 and yeah I I enjoy it I I enjoy making videos I submit bell ringing videos and anything to do with bell ringing really I try to take either a video or an audio recording of each tower I visit so I have a good record and bank of places I've visited so I can listen to them if I need to and I noticed that you've uploaded 339 videos in that time blimey is it really that many Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Crikey, I had no idea. So that's a lot of places you visited. What are your most memorable ones? Oh, it's got to be Buckfast Abbey and Exeter Cathedral, those two. And, and Liverpool as well. Liverpool, Exeter, Buckfast Abbey. Oh, yes, they're lovely. Buckfast Abbey is my total favourite tower anywhere. I just think it's an absolutely sublime ring of 12 bells, along with the extra bell called Hosanna, which is a 150 hundredweight Bordon bell. That's seven and a half tonnes. It's a beautiful bell. You upload them because it's a record of where you've been. And also um, so people can watch them, so people can get an idea if they want to visit those towers, they can get an idea of what the bells are like from, from my videos. Ah, of course. Yes. Yes. Right. Now, changing tack a little bit, how's COVID affected your ringing? Oh, crikey, Riley. COVID um, has really severely affected my ringing because I have Asperger's syndrome and it affects my daily life in quite a few ways. And bell ringing is one of my very, very, very few stress reliefs that I depend on. When lockdown was brought in and all bell ringing was cancelled, I had a very, very tough time adapting to it and just stressed out so many times. Because I'm very close-minded when it comes to my interests. I've got 
one or two things that I use for stress relief. And the, the other one I use for stress relieving is urban exploring, which is the act of exploring derelict buildings and photographing them. And even that's been affected by COVID-19. Yes, yes. But you're still uploading the videos. No, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm trawling through all sorts of old footage I've got on my computers and seeing what else I can find to make to, to upload to my uh, YouTube channel just to just, just to find out what's there really because I, ca- I can't go and ring it at new towers because there's just no ringing I believe the closest tower to me that's actually doing Sunday ringing only ringing at all is Ashford and that's about 12 miles away and I can't really reasonably go down there and barge someone out of the band have you done any online ringing I've done some yeah but the online ringing simulator ringing room I find is way too laggy like if there's a little bit of internet lag it will make the ringing fire out uh, so that's very difficult. But for over lockdown, I've been relying on Doug Nichols, Virtual Belfry, and I've been teaching myself new methods, even up to Erin Sinks, which I never, ever, ever thought I could do. But it's actually Erin Sinks on the treble. It's quite easy. I was surprised to find it like that. And also your most recent video. Are the Minecraft videos. Yes. Go on and tell me a bit about that. Uh, so basically, I decided to create a Discord server for a few friends of mine. I managed to convince a, a good friend of mine called Tim. He's Prof Moose on YouTube. He's uh, been a very close friend of mine since 2016. And I convinced him to get Minecraft. And we've, along with a few others, we've been enjoying playing on my world, which I've worked on since April 2013, to, to uh, build all sorts of things. And I came up with the idea of trying to do Minecraft change ringing on um, a carillon which I'd, uh, I'd built because uh, I've got a, a sound pack because regular Minecraft doesn't have bell sounds. And I've got a sound pack, which I put on there and uh, we managed to ring 30 of Grantzer, which is a plain course of Grantzer doubles along with plain hunt minor. And then two days after we rang a plain course of plain Bob doubles. And that went really, really well. I was very pleased with everybody on that. The plain Bob was the first ring of doubles by six people recorded. And I'm just so proud of everybody. We all, well, they all did incredibly well, and I couldn't have done it without them. They are, I've got to name them. George Vant, Lewis Benfield, Tim King, Adam McCurdy, and Dylan Thomas from New Zealand. Yeah, we've got a New Zealander ringing with us. Ah, and was that laggy? Oh, no, not at all. Minecraft isn't very laggy. It will be laggy if you have bad internet connection, but it's, it's very simple to use. You just sit there, right-click, and um, it presses a button. And then that causes a, a system to go off where it rings the bell. Right. It's, it's, it's quite simple if, if, if you know Minecraft. If you don't know Minecraft, it will probably go right over your head. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that some people who are listening know Minecraft and they'll, they'll be intrigued to try and replicate what you've been doing. Yeah, um, but if they wanted to, they're more than welcome to join my Discord. I believe the invite link is in the first video I posted on of the Minecraft video, and they're more than welcome to join the server and, and have an invite to the world and build with us because it'd be it's good to have more people because it'd be just good to have fun with people and keep people occupied over lockdown. Yes, no, that sounds like a lovely invite. Thank you for for sharing that with us. No problem. And just to finish with, is there anything else that you particularly wanted to say? I'd just say to people, ringing is very much a social thing and it's a fantastic hobby and you can go to all sorts of places. I just think it's for people who are interested in learning to ring, definitely go to your local tower and and start and see if you can start learning because it's just such a fantastic hobby. It can take you literally anywhere on the planet where there's bell ringing. Last year, I went to Toronto and I rang at Toronto Cathedral. And that was an experience. My first overseas town. I was very pleased with it. Lovely place to ring. That's great. Okay. And to finish with, where would people go to watch your YouTube videos? Go to YouTube. It's Ringer Jake. So R-I-N-G-E-R space J-A-K-E. And the icon is me, well, a 15-year-old me, leaning against the 3200 weight tenor bell of Maidstone in Kent, grinning like an idiot as well, because it was a fantastic bell. That was Jake Reed telling us about his YouTube channel. My next guest is Ruth Suggart, who is the editor of Arts Newsletter, Tower Talk. Ruth, can you tell me a bit about Tower Talk? Tower Talk is the only publication that's aimed specifically at new ringers, 
an art context, it was ringers who were using the learning the ropes structured teaching scheme. But in effect, it's a publication for any new ringer just taking their first steps in their ringing journey. And it's been going for almost four years and it's published every quarter. And it's an online newsletter, which means that if you're on the Learning the Ropes scheme, it's sent to your inbox or you can access it through the learningtheropes.org website. And uh, it's something that we feel is a particular community where when you're learning to ring, it's very important not to feel overwhelmed by everybody else who seems to be very competent and prolific. And you're struggling with something that may seem very elementary and basic. And can you tell me a bit about how it all got started? It started about three and a half years ago when I volunteered to help ART, the Association of Ringing Teachers. And they said, how about doing a newsletter? And because I've got a background in editing and writing, I said, that's perfect for my skill set. So I set about mocking one up and everyone liked it and it just went from there. Can you talk me through some of the types of articles that you've got on there? Definitely. We try for a start to be really varied and really inclusive We also try to have a tone of all articles which are informative, amusing, inspirational, motivating. And so we have a wide variety of articles which cover all aspects of ringing, but with that kind of tone to them. So we have articles, for example, we've had one about ringing vicars, vicars who have taken up learning to ring as part of their role as local vicars. We've highlighted teams that are taking part in the Ringing World National Youth Contest. We have quizzes, puzzles. We have a fascinating fact every now and then. We try to include articles from ringing colleagues in Australia, New Zealand, the United States and around the world. The Inverary Ringing Festival has been covered, ringing with apps and simulators. And in general, we have lots of feel-good stories about people who've taken on something which they feel is quite difficult and challenging and we like to share their successes with colleagues who are also probably in a similar position. Yes, I've read some of the articles and they come across as very inspirational. (laughs) We hope so, we hope so, that's the idea because when you're learning you can feel quite alone and you can feel it's all rather difficult and a bit too challenging and maybe not for you and we just feel it's a little something that we can do to reach out and say hey you're not the only one everybody finds it hard to lead or everybody finds it hard to count places or just because you can't do something you're not the only one who's going through this. And just changing tack slightly Ruth how has Covid affected both you Ringing Wise and Tower Talk? For me personally, ringing-wise, it's just the same as everybody else. Obviously, there's been no ringing for absolutely ages since March. The church that I ring at, we were ringing four bells for a monthly service starting September, and that's now stopped because of the latest lockdown. I did challenge myself with the help of some friends to learn to ring handbells. So using Ringing Room, I have taken up something that I never ever thought I would do which is ring handbells I would say I'm quite a slow learner I think I'm making progress with playing Bob Minor so that's what I've been doing I've also been running a practice on ringing room for my own band we've had a degree of success really with some ringers who could only ring call changes now can ring playing Bob Minor in ringing room which I see as a big achievement and then as far as Tower Talks concerns at first we thought oh if there's no ringing going on, what are we going to write about? But in actual fact, we've had bumper editions all the way through, and that reflects the fact that there is a lot going on in all sorts of different ways. And there's lots of new opportunities for ringers to stay involved and active, interested, and to continue learning. It just so happened in our cycle of production that there was an edition coming out in April. And obviously, the first lockdown had only just happened when we were putting that together. So we reflected the current situation in that. So there's quite a lot of stories about what people were doing. But then we realised there was so much going on that we just couldn't leave it another three months before we reported on other things and shared other stories. So 
we instantly did another edition that came out in May, which was our bumper lockdown edition. So that is available for people to download from the Learning the Ropes website if they want to have a look. It's absolutely full of good stories about people making the most of ringing room. There's people writing a few little poems and stories reflecting on the fact they've just started on a hobby and now they feel it's been taken away from them, how they're going to deal with that. We had a Zoom room song written by a ringer in Devon who really enjoyed her ringing room sessions using Zoom, weekly get-togethers. We developed a series of posters to encourage people who may not be particularly confident in technology and social media to think of ways in which they could keep their band together. So we highlighted using WhatsApp or Messenger or setting up a tower group in other media. And again, they're still available and able to be downloaded and shared and by anybody who wants to have a look at them. So that was a 24-page special. And then we had one in September, which, again, was more of the same, really, in, in a way accepting that Ringing Room was actually here to stay, and it was a new way of learning. So we had um, a lady from Birmingham, for example, who would never have imagined doing such a thing, saying, wow, I never knew there was so much to learn in ringing. Now I'm learning how to learn a method. I'm learning about how to understand a blue line. Um, all these sorts of things that quite often there isn't a lot of time for in the tower ringing practice. And we tried to reflect the fact that there wasn't an awful lot more to learn. And we had some experiences from some very new and may I say slightly timid uh, sort of ringers who had made their first forays into ringing room and had really enjoyed it and we really hope that's going to encourage more people to keep up their interest and love of ringing. And you say that people can get hold of the back issue from May is it can people get hold of the other back issues oh, as well? Oh absolutely yeah I mean we try not to write tower talks for it to be tomorrow's fish and chip paper it, we hope it's something that's got really enduring value. Some of the stories obviously are current, but a lot of what's in Tower Talk is really making up a, a great body of information that people can just refer to at any time. So all the back copies are available to download from the learningtheropes.org website. It's uh, learningtheropes.org and then forward slash resources and you can uh, download all or any of the editions there. Print them off, share with your friends, you know, do what you like with them. And people can subscribe as well, can't they? Yeah, it's a free subscription. Subscribing only means that they just sign up and then it just is delivered to their inbox. So again, I believe you would go to the learningtheropes.org website and forward slash resources. And I think there's a button to click where you can then subscribe into your details and then the newsletter is then delivered to your inbox when it's uh, mailed out every quarter. And is there anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners, Ruth? Well, do read Tower Talk and have a look at it. Whoever you are, whether you're a very experienced ringer, you may have some learners who would like to read it and hear some of the stories and realise they're not alone. You may like to contribute something. I'm always keen to get contributions from anybody and it's, it's just something out there that is, is for everybody to share and hopefully increases our interest and, and love of ringing. That was Ruth Suggett, the editor of Arts Tower Talk newsletter. My last guest is Matt Austin from my sister North American podcast, Trebles Going. I started by asking him to tell me a little bit about Trebles Going. So Trebles Going is a podcast that I host. I'm a bell ringer at Kent School in Connecticut over in the USA. And the, the kids challenged me to start up a podcast about bell ringing because at that time, either you hadn't started with Fun With Bells or maybe it was around the month or so before you started with Fun With Bells. That's when we started conceiving of Trebles Going. Now, it took me about another year or so to actually get it up and off the ground. We talk with bell ringers from around North America. It's conversations about bell ringing and bell ringers. So sometimes we talk with someone just about what their ringing career has been like. Sometimes we talk about a specific topic, bell hanging or Stedman, for instance. Why did it take you so long before you recorded? 
Well, part of it is that this was a conversation we had over spring break while driving back from a ringing trip. And then so we got into the spring term at our school. We're a boarding school. And so the spring term is just remarkably busy with uh, campus traditions and the kids finishing up their courses for the year. So then we got into the summer and I started looking around into what uh, it, it might take to create a podcast and what sort of skills did I have to learn And then it was slowly always just percolating in the back of my mind. And I would sit there and think about it for a while, or I would sketch some things in a notebook. But it was always living there in Aristotelian state of potency until the quarantine came along, a spring of 2020. And that's when I said, okay, I I need something to do that's going to take my mind off of worrying about other things. Let's finally take this off the back burner and really start cooking. So COVID was your catalyst A catalyst, I think, is an excellent way to put it. Yes, it accelerated the reaction. (laughs) And how has COVID affected you ringing-wise? So ringing, it's been an interesting effect. Of course, around here in, in North America, almost all towers aren't ringing. We're not congregating like that. There are some exceptions, and there are some ways that people can do it. But we here at Kent School, we actually were able in the spring to ring a quarter of doubles, actually it was a first quarter for two of the ringers, because we have enough faculty children who live on campus where I also live, and one of those faculty children is my own, in fact. So we could put together a band of five people, and two kids were home from college, and one was doing high school remotely. Kent School's program went to remote in the spring, and my son was in sixth grade, and he was doing all of his stuff remotely. So it was just wonderful for us who were effectively sheltering in place together on this boarding school campus to go ahead and and go up to the tower for an evening and pretend like things are normal. So we rang a bit in the spring. The summer was quiet, but actually the summer generally is quiet around Kent unless we have visitors, which this year we did not. And now, in fact, coming back in the fall, I feel a little greedy saying this, but I've got 13 new ringers I'm teaching. Again, we're a boarding school and we've established a bit of a bubble. So I can't have them all up there at the same time. But four days a week before our morning chapel services, we do service ringing. And it's been a little bit nice. It's been pleasant. I think that a lot of people listening to this will be very jealous. (laughs) If anyone wants to help 13 teenagers learn handling while not being allowed to touch the rope that the teenager is working with, they're more than welcome to come quarantine for two weeks and then come give me a hand. So get in touch. Matthew, tell me about the episode that you released on October the 23rd. So you know a bit about it because you were my guest, although really we both were guests of the North American Guild. The way this came about is that the public relations officer for the North American Guild asked me if... I would be willing to do a session at the annual general meeting for the North American Guild. So I invited you to come along and said, hey, there are actually two podcasts. We should talk about the two podcasts that cover change ringing, Fun with Bells and Troubles Going. So that's what we did. We discussed how and why we podcast. I really like the way Matt described one of the reasons why he wanted to have a podcast. Every time I go ringing somewhere, there's this competing tension between I want to be ringing and I want to be working on my practice, but there are also fascinating people there who know a lot about ringing and who know a lot about other things. There was a great virology discussion from some professional virologists at the pub last night. That sort of thing, it's it's wonderful to get into those conversations with ringers who are generally really enthusiastic and intelligent and creative and expressive people. And so the podcast gives us this opportunity to call people up and have a conversation about ringing and about other things. And as long as I was doing that, this gives us a socially acceptable excuse to call up strangers and pick their brains about something that you, you share in common and then go ahead and share it with the world. Pub time at a distance, I guess is how I summarize that. And if you want to hear the full talk, then hop over to Trebles Going at www.treblesgoing.com. Back to this interview. How often do you publish your episodes? So we publish every two weeks. So twice a month we get an episode in there and they tend to range between about 35 and 45 minutes. And what's coming up for Troubles Going? So coming up for Troubles Going, I've got a conversation with Marge Winter about her ringing career, both in North America and coming over to England, and just some of the interesting places that she's been and the interesting times when she has been places in North American ringing. And 
let's see, coming up probably would be the most recent episode of Travels Going by the time this episode of Fun with Bells goes up would be a conversation with Douglas Kitson about the history of change ringing in Quebec City. Ah, that sounds like an interesting one. They've had bells there for almost 200 years, so it well predates a lot of the organized ringing in North America, and it's one of the older towers in North America. Now, I know you cover some of the more advanced stuff that I don't cover. Are there any particular episodes that you'd like me to feature? I think Don Morrison's on Cornwall. Note to listeners, we featured this interview with Don Morrison in the episode that came out in November. You know, the other ones that jump out would be the one that was about the person conducting their first quarter ever. Because when I think about the ringing world, it's one of these things where you've got some population of people who can handle a bell safely. And then you've got you know, some drop off to where it's a population of people who can hunt. And then those who can ring plain methods. And then those who can conduct plain methods. And there are those who can ring trouble dodging methods. There are all these drop offs. And I feel it's the person who was talking about conducting his first quarter. That's a level at which probably, I don't know, I'm going to guess, maybe 50% of ringers are at that level where, hey, maybe they could actually do this, but they've never thought they could, or they've never been given the chance, or they've never been poked and prodded to say, hey, you know what, this is a thing you should try. So that's another one. So here's a clip from episode nine of Trebles Going on John Bin conducting his first court appeal. So I'm curious, I'm, I'm thinking about someone who might be looking forward to conducting their first quarter once we get back into towers or is inspired by this and is thinking maybe that's something they could tackle as a project for uh, this year or next. Can you put yourself back in the shoes on July 4th, 2018 of John Bin about to conduct his first quarter? How did it feel? Were you nervous, excited, terrified, confident? Uh, what was it like conducting your first quarter? I would say that it's a bit of each, uh, that I was definitely excited and had felt that from our practices leading up to it, that I was comfortable and ready to take on conducting, but was also definitely nervous because it was um, going to be an attempt at a quarter to commemorate a previous quarter peel rung at Old North. Mm -hmm that 40 years prior, the MIT Guild of Bell Ringers rang their first quarter peal. Oh, neat. And we were going to commemorate that and do so with one of the ringers, uh, David Westmoreland, from the original quarter, uh, ringing the same bell that he had rung 40 years prior. And another ringer, Bela Nelson, who was the daughter of the original conductor, Oh, interesting. And so um, between those two, it was definitely a quarter that we were excited about because we wanted to commemorate this occasion. Mm -hmm. But it definitely did add a little bit of pressure to make sure that everything went smoothly. Right. On top of being, you know, ringing a quarter on the North End on the afternoon of July the 4th in Boston. Exactly. Heading into it, though, I felt that the band as a whole was you know, a, a great band to be ringing with it and one that would help make things as smooth as, as possible for me when conducting. Mm -hmm. Do you remember any time when it sort of felt like it settled in or any glitches, anything that still makes you wake up with a little bit of a catch in your throat because you barely got through it? I, I remember the part that I was uh, most concerned about was just making sure that we had rung the correct number of extents. Sure. Counting to 10 is shockingly hard. Exactly. That I ended up to make it easier for keeping straight using two observation bells. So having myself be the observation bell and then the next extent, one of the other bells is the observation bell. Mm -hmm. um, but in that, paying special attention to make sure that I was, you know, counting the number of times we went back and forth. And so that we would, right. you know, get to 10 extents. And then by, by the end, as things were coming around, uh, you know, I, I briefly looked at the clock and saw that about the time I had expected the past had passed. Mm -hmm. uh, and then 
we ended up coming round and making it through the quarter. If you want to hear the full interview with John Bin, then go to the Trebles Going podcast. Back to my interview with Matt. Is there anything else that you would like to say to the listeners of Fun with Bells? I would love to say to all of your listeners that universally around North America, what I hear is how gracious and how welcoming and how generous all of their British ringing friends have been, either when visiting here or when we've come and visited over in the British Isles and rung with you. And I can say from my own experience that it's truly heartwarming. I get choked up thinking about some of the experiences I've had ringing over there and watching people embrace my students or embracing me and where I am in my ringing. Complete strangers from around the globe, perfectly happy to just bring people in and, and wrap your arms around them and make them feel welcome and appreciated no matter what level of ringer they are. So I just want to thank the wider ringing world for the community that it is and it continues to be. Thank you to Matt Austin from the podcast Trebles Going and his guest, John Bin. And finally, a special bonus, I asked Mary to read her blog post from the 29th of September, 2020. An unexpected interruption. There are many and various ways that a piece of ringing may be interrupted. In the tower, in the virtual tower, outside in hand. I have witnessed bats fall from the ceiling and cause confusion. I once had a spider land on my head and crawl towards my ear. In the virtual world, people come to the door. Last week, a young ringer actually abandoned an attempt at Grand Cicadas in order to let a friend in. Suddenly, the tenor disappeared and there was nothing we could do about it. Bees have been known to escape down chimneys and there are endless cats who enjoy a keyboard dance. But when you ring outside, the opportunities for some malevolent force to disrupt seem endless. I have heard of flocks of curious sheep and other livestock standing around and providing a critical accompaniment to the ringing. We have coped with 50 mile per hour winds whilst perched on garden chairs and no end of insects. The insects that keep on coming, ants up the leg, wasps in the hair, Nuts and other vegetable matter drop from trees. Thunderclouds make one anxious. Delivery men choose their moment. There was the smart meter fitter who thought it appropriate to discuss an urgent matter about 600 changes in. The constipated chicken who needed to poo and made an almighty fuss. The search and rescue helicopter which circled for a closer look. But last week's interruption won the prize for the most unlikely and most startling. There we were, ringing our handbells and minding our own business, when a fighter jet flew so low over the house and garden that we all ducked. It was travelling at great speed, so we did not actually catch sight of the pilot's name tag, but it was that low that we could have if we had been warned what to look for. It quite put us off our stride and we had to restart. No one can keep things straight under such conditions. I know that there is an email address for the local Air Force base where you can write and complain about low flying. I believe there were over 1,000 local complaints last year. Someone told the story of how a rabbit was so startled by a low plane that it jumped, bumped its head and was never quite the same again. Apparently it turned aggressive. I'm already composing my letter of complaint and demand for compensation. Dear Sir, stroke Madam, Since being thrown off balance by one of your aircraft, I have trouble completing plane hunt on eight from the three and four bells. I keep going wrong. I expect that I have been traumatised by the frightening experience. I will be contacting my lawyer about submitting a claim for compensation. How much do you think I should ask for? That was Mary Jones reading from her blog, The Accidental Ringer. Thanks to all my guests in this episode, Will Bosworth of The Ringing World, Mary Jones from The Accidental Ringer blog, Simon Edwards and Drake Reed, YouTubers, Ruth Suggett of Tower Talk, and Matt Austin from The Trebles Going podcast, and his guest, John Bin. This podcast was put together by a team. 
Special thanks go to Anne Tansley Thomas and John Gwynne, Leslie Belcher, Sue Hall, Nick Boyd and the Society of Cambridge Youths for the recording of their ringing. If you are in Britain and are interested in learning to ring, then please go to ringingteachers.org or for handbell ringers, hrgb.org.uk. Both websites have links to help you get started. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Fun With Bells. In the next episode of Fun With Bells... The story is, I was going to church and it was dark evening and the bells were ringing, but the lights were on and the church, as I showed you in the picture I sent of St Nicholas, is a detached campanile, so you walk up in below. So anyway, I stopped... My eye was caught. I'd walked in many times before, but I suppose because the lights were on, I got caught to the bell ring and, and I stood and watched for a bit. I thought, God, I would love to do that. That would be interesting. Hear the rest of Don's entertaining story of how he got into bell ringing, the similarities of his job and bell ringing, his advice when training a whole tower of new ringers from experience with the new installation of bells in Kilmood and about ringing in Ireland in the next episode of Fun With Bells. (laughs) 